I'm just trying to be a father, raise a daughter and a son, be a lover to their mother, everything to everyone, up and out on bright and early, I'm all business in my suit, yeah, I'm dressed up for success, from my head down to my boots, I don't do it for the money, there's bills that I can't pay. I don't do it for the glory, I just do it anyway. Providing for our futures, my responsibility. Yeah, I'm real good on the pressure, being all that I can be. I can't call him sick on Mondays when the weekend's been too strong. I just work straight through the holidays, sometimes all night long. Bet that I stand ready when the wolf growls at the door. Hey, I'm solid. Hey, I'm steady. Hey, I'm true down to the core. And I will always do my duty, no matter what the price. I've counted up the cost. Plaza Direct King's Court starts now.
Well, I've won and lost against the best. This old road's been a hell of a test. I'm still driving. I ain't slowing down. There's rules I'd love to break and bend. Mistakes I've made again and again. But I tell you this, my friends, I'm still around. I hit it hard, man. So far, man. No laying up, no holding back. A morning, St. Louis, and all points northeast, south, and west. We welcome you in. Kevin Slayton with you. This is the Window World King's Court, only live on KevinSlaytonShow.com. You can hear our podcast right here as well. But you can also hear the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Anchor, Google. We're there. We're everywhere. Spread the good word because this is where you come for your daily dose of truth based on facts and evidence. And we're going to give you some truths today. By using the words of the criminals themselves, of the liars themselves. There is no greater feeling for an attorney in a trial than to catch someone in a lie. It's spectacular. Set somebody up, then watch them lie, and then prove to them what a liar they are. It gives you chills. Because the SOBs think they're actually going to get away with it. And that's what happens in today's media and political world. They lie every single time they speak, and they think they're going to get away with it. But they're not. Because we're not going to let them. And we're going to show you, with their own words, what frauds they are. It's not hard. It's really not. It just takes a little time. We work hard at it. Our research assistant works hard at it. We get help from a lot of people. And we make sure that we bring you the truth. That's how we operate. We're always open to your calls and your thoughts and your opinions and your take on anything. 636-538-0746. 636-538-0746. A lot of shows don't allow for phone calls. Now you ask yourself, why is that? And the answer is a simple one. I've been around this business long enough, I know. They're afraid that you know more than they do. Or excuse me, they're afraid, yeah, that you know more than the host does. Exactly what they think. And they don't want to be embarrassed. And my thought has always been, if you've got something to offer that I don't know about, inform me, please. Let me know. There are always going to be things you don't know about. But the egos, the fragile egos of most of these radio and television people are unbelievable. You wouldn't, you wouldn't imagine it. But it's true. And they can't live with themselves if you know something they don't know. And chances are pretty good you know a lot that they don't know because they're lazy, both physically and intellectually. They don't do homework. They just run their uninformed, idiotic mouth, much like social media does. That's what most talk shows are in this country. They're just an extension of social media. Idiots who blather on about stuff they know nothing about and are too lazy to find out. So if someone ever says to you, well, when you say, where'd you get that information? Well, on Facebook. 
you know you're talking to a dope. Similarly, you're talking to a dope if they say, well, I got it on so-and-so's podcast. What else do they tell you? Well, they told me that the sky is pink. Okay, so you're not talking to someone who has a rational grasp of things. Just so you understand that. But we do here because we work at it. And we have other people who work at it and help us. So we're going to get into all of that today. Overseas now, Biden has decided to trash America. It wasn't good enough for him to do it just here. He had to go overseas on foreign soil and tell the whole world how rotten America is. And not only America, but the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Rotten. Outrageous was the word he used. Never in the history of this country has a sitting president, or for that matter, a retired president, gone overseas and trashed an institution like Biden did and does. He is a walking buffoon. Every time he opens his mouth, it's dangerous to the United States. He needs to go back into that basement, claim there's a pandemic again, and shut up. He's a living danger to this country. Only under Biden would our country have to suffer from the comments of a president overseas. He is a despicable person, vile and evil to the core, and so mentally unbalanced and unhinged that he needs impeachment and he needs it immediately, and that includes even if we have to put up with Harris. It's unbelievable. And an astounding 85% of Americans now say, according to the Associated Press, which is a liberal poll, 85% of those polled said the country was headed in the wrong direction. Only 14% say the country's headed in the right direction. Now, don't you want to meet those 14%? I do. I want to see if they have three ears, five noses, six mouths. Because they're deformed. There's something really, really wrong with them. No one can be that dumb, so there's got to be something else at work. And by the way, before you say, well, that's just Republicans responding, these polls skew Democrat all the time, three out of every four. 75% of the people polled are always liberals. 85% say the country's headed in the wrong direction. You want to know the breakdown? 92% of the Republicans said so. I'd really like to meet the 8% of those who didn't agree. 78% of Democrats say the country's headed in the wrong direction. Eight out of every 10 liberal. You can't have worse numbers. It's impossible. In all of history, no one's ever been worse. Only 38% now approve of the job he's doing overall. Even worse for Biden, only 28% say a say they approve of him on the economy. That's the lowest rating he's received yet. 28%. And here he is overseas bragging about our economy. You would think if you listened to this nitwit that somehow everybody over here is going, wow, thank God Biden got in because he saved us from that horrible economy Trump had. When, of course, we all know the exact opposite is the truth. But it doesn't save a moron from bragging about himself where there's no reason to brag. And we're going to hear from a former Obama 
campaign operative who really got Obama elected, tell you that Biden's not up to the job. Hildy herself is going to hesitate to endorse him. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Lindsey Graham is making sense. That's when you know all of the cows are coming home. Lindsey Graham played golf with President Trump the other day, and he's talking about a major announcement Trump could be on the verge of making. Bob Woodson, who is black, runs the Woodson Institute, will tell you why these liberals who preach anti-Americanism are ruining the country, especially when they're preaching it around the 4th of July. We're also going to have a montage of these liberals and what they think of America as we prepare for the 4th of July and what they think of you and me. Remember how often I've told you they don't care about you, and Trump has told you they're really after you, but he's in the way. And he's been right on that ever since. You could be the liberal of liberals, and if you don't recognize that, you've just got your head up your ass. We've got a reporter out on the street asking idiots about their reaction to Roe versus Wade. Wait till you hear this. John Voigt is going to deliver us a nice patriotic 4th of July message. And of all people, Sonia Sotomayor, Supreme Court Justice, talked at length about Clarence Thomas. I think you'll want to hear it. She actually knows him. Actually knows him. There's a ton more to get to, but I want to tell you about breakfast first. Get a red, white, and blue breakfast this morning at Taco Bell. You say, what? Are they making red, white, and blue tacos? My answer is, I don't know. But you might ask for one. See what they say. You never know at Taco Bell. They're always innovating on the menu, so they're always changing some things around. Of course, all of the staples of the menu stay there. They've got that dollar crave menu, a $5 crave menu. Grilled breakfast burritos with bacon bits on that dollar crave menu. Goes all day, by the way. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, late night. $5 crave menu, same thing. Breakfast quesadilla for under $2.00. It's unbelievable, really. You can get a double-stuffed taco right now at Taco Bell for a buck. Double-stuffed. Grande burrito, dollar. You get two different kinds of crunch wraps under $3. So is the Grande Scrambler. And as I said, don't forget they're always innovating on that menu. So make sure you check it out for something new. I believe in supporting locally owned and operated businesses, so I do. Here are the locations for Taco Bell's locally owned and operated stations. There's, there are uh, some in Washington, St. Clair, Chesterfield Valley, Cape Girardeau, Jackson, Union. In Illinois, they're in Waterloo, Decatur, Springfield, Carbondale, DuCoin, Troy, Salem, Jerseyville, and Columbia, Illinois, the home of Ambrar Golf Course. All of those are locally owned and operated, locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations. I'm reminded that Biden had a good teacher. Obama taught him how to criticize us overseas. But even Obama didn't take the extraordinary step of attacking our institution and the the one that probably is still the most sacred, the Supreme Court. We still believe in the hope that justices rule according to the Constitution and not their own political swervings, though it's becoming increasingly obvious that's not the case. But we can cling to that hope. We do know that some of them do. Some do. 
But here's what the president of the United States, so-called sitting president, told Europeans about the Supreme Court after he bragged about his economy. America is better positioned to lead the world than we ever have been. We have the strongest economy in the world. Our inflation rates are lower than other nations in the world. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States on overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. We've been a leader in the world in terms of personal rights and privacy rights. And it is a mistake, in my view, for the Supreme Court to do what it did. The only president I'm aware of who consistently and continually tries to strip us of our rights is now complaining that the Supreme Court has stripped us of a right. It stripped no one of a right to privacy. No one. It said this. When the Constitution is silent on a topic, on an issue, it is up to the states to decide. That is not stripping anyone of any right. That is in keeping consistent with the Constitution. It seems rare these days that a Supreme Court decision stays with the Constitution, but it did in that case and some other cases. But Biden called it outrageous behavior after bragging about our low inflation. How about that one? (laughs) I always tell you that this is like watching a sitcom, this super clown. We don't have sitcoms anymore. Because how dare you offend somebody, make a joke about an Irishman in a pub or any other ethnicity or race. Can't do that anymore. Can't say anything, my gosh, nothing that might offend a gay person. Oh, please, stop it. So none of the comedy, the great comedy gold that was written and broadcast on sitcoms throughout my lifetime will ever make its appearance again. You'll hear John Voigt ask us a little later on, can we go back to what we were as a country? Will we ever see eye to eye again? I say no. And I'm not being a pessimist. I'm being a realist. I know how demented liberals are. I know that there's no hope for these people because they're mentally deranged. There's really something wrong with them. You can hear it every time they speak. When it comes to the political left and the media left, they simply lie to you every time they talk. And here's a guy calling himself the president, criticizing one of our institutions overseas. He didn't want to just let you know here that the Supreme Court is outrageous. He wanted to tell the world. To which Andy McCarthy, a former U.S. attorney in New York, responded this way. I think it's despicable behavior by the president. And, you know, Shannon, he was elected to be kind of the uh, anti-Trumpy return to normal, observe norms, you know, things like you don't go overseas and attack other uh, components of the American government. I, I just think, you know, in a better time in this country, he'd be censured by Congress. Unfortunately, the time in the country that we're in, This is like Thursday, and it's about as unusual as the sun coming up tomorrow. Well, he's right. In another time, Biden probably would face censure, but not this time. Whatever happened to being able to openly critique the performance of a politician, including a president? 
by members of his own party. It doesn't happen by the Democrats. It really never has, I guess. But here we sit with an economy that's a train wreck, a country that's a mess. Racism charges every time a a Democrat opens their mouth. A country that caters to the smallest, smallest of small percentages. I love it when somebody illiterate like Wanda Sykes says, whatever happened to majority rule? And yet we're catering to people like her. She is one of the smallest of small percentages of people. So aside from the fact that she's morbidly stupid, she somehow claims that California and New York should make all of the calls in this country and that the rest of us here in the Middle East, you know, the middle stuff, she says, the red stuff, somehow we shouldn't be listened to. And that's perfectly in keeping with liberal philosophy. They want California and New York to choose every president. So they want to do away with the Electoral College. Do you ever notice that anything that has been traditional in this country, liberals, liberals want to do away with? Because they don't believe in traditions. It's similar in college sports now. I always knew that these greedy bastards would ruin college football and kill all of the great rivalries, and they're doing it. Now it appears that UCLA and Southern Cal are going to join the Big Ten. Big Ten? If they join, that would give the Big Ten about 14 or 15 or 16 teams. I'd have to go back and count them all up. So damn many of them now. It hasn't been the Big Ten for a long time. Since Nebraska and Penn State and those teams joined. But here you go again. They destroyed the Missouri-Kansas rivalry. They destroyed the Texas-Texas A&M rivalry. They destroyed all of these yearly games. In favor of money. They would have destroyed Michigan-Ohio State, except the people at Michigan-Ohio State wouldn't allow it. But it hasn't stopped them from destroying the rest of them every chance they can if it means more money. It's pretty sad. Nebraska-Oklahoma, that rivalry's dead. Colorado and Nebraska, that was another great rivalry, dead. So anything that's traditional in this country, if left to the liberals, it will be destroyed. The liberals who run colleges and universities, the liberals who run the government, the liberals who run the media, they want to do away with all traditions of all kinds. It doesn't fit their agenda of taking over with power. Senator Mike Lee from Utah also weighed in on the despicable behavior of Biden regarding the Supreme Court. And this is appalling. First of all, the fact that he would go well on foreign soil and attack the Supreme Court of the United States to undermine it and to delegitimize it is unpatriotic. I've never seen anything quite like it. Um, secondly, insofar as he's suggesting that they need to codify Roe, he's, he's lying there. They don't merely want to codify Roe. What they want to do is pass a bill that would, in addition to codifying Roe, it would take the protections of Roe all the way up until the moment a child takes its first breath. 
so that no state anywhere could impose any kind of uh, legal restrictions, any kind of protections for unborn human beings. So he managed to be at once um, uh, entirely heartless toward the unborn, entirely in conflict with his own prior decisions, his own prior statements about abortion, while as a U.S. senator and otherwise, and managed to disrespect one of the great institutions of our system. Look, warts and all, the Supreme Court of the United States isn't a bad court. It is a good court. And the fact that it's run by uh, mortal human beings means they sometimes make mistakes. They did not make a mistake with Dobbs. They corrected a mistake they had made 49 years earlier. This is unacceptable behavior. I, I don't know whether to chalk it up to incompetence or avarice or both, but this is not going to fly with the American people. Carpe diem to Senator Lee. Couldn't be more correct. Every word he spoke was spot on. And when he talks about Biden's previous words about the Supreme Court, he's right as well. In fact, Biden, just in 2017, thought it was sinful to even criticize the Supreme Court. Here he was just five short years ago. What worries me most, and I never thought I'd have to make this speech or want to make this speech, the almost drumbeat of denigration of the institutional structures that govern us is dangerous. When you delegitimize the courts, you delegitimize the legislative body. Well, that's interesting. He doesn't want to delegitimize the courts, but then he went and did it. You see, again, we're using his own words to destroy him. He's the one who said those things, not me, not you. He's the one who delegitimizes the court today, calling its behavior outrageous. Outrageous that nine justices got together, six of them ruled in favor of the Constitution, three of them ruled against it. As Senator Lee said, being mortal human beings, they make mistakes from time to time. But the majority of the court did not make a mistake in Roe versus Wade this time. They corrected the mistake they made some 50 years ago. And it was about time. But nothing excuses Biden's behavior and criticism of the Supreme Court overseas. As Mike Lee said, warts and all, the Supreme Court is a good court. They make mistakes. I disagree with a lot of their decisions. I disagree vehemently with their decision yesterday. To end remain in Mexico, the policy that President Trump put in place, which kept border crossings to, uh, uh, in 2018, 23,000, this year, 230,000. And somehow the Supreme Court thought that's better? Where's the constitutional support for that? There isn't any. So they blew it. But I'm not going to run around and whine in public and fall to my knees in tears, fake tears, I might add. I'm not going to say that the Supreme Court is outrageous. Their behavior is outrageous because I disagree with it. I'm going to simply look for constitutional authority for them to have done what they did, and I don't find it. Be that as it may, I accept the decision. It's going to ruin this country. It's destroying Texas and Arizona. And my question now is, and I don't know the answer to it, but I will find it. Can Texas, K-12, 
can Arizona act on their own? Because the language of this decision, at least what I read, and I have not been able to read the entire decision yet, but the language of the decision says that the Biden regime has authority to do away with the Trump policy. Okay, that's a far different decision than saying the Trump policy is unconstitutional and it has to be banned, which means the states couldn't do anything about it. But I believe Texas and Arizona will enact laws of their own to protect their own borders, and one of those will be remain in Mexico. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But here was Biden overseas again, making an ass of himself, of course. And he continually holds to this idiotic posture that Russia, Russia, Russia is to blame. I mean, can't these Democrats come up with something new? If it isn't Russia, it's Trump. If it isn't Trump, it's Russia. Not once has a Democrat blamed themselves for the state of our union. And Biden continued to push Russia. I can understand why the American people are frustrated because of inflation. But inflation is higher in almost every other country. Prices of the pump are higher in almost every other country. We're better positioned to deal with this than anyone, but we have a way to go. Ultimately, the reason why gas prices are up is because of Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. How long is it fair to expect American drivers and drivers around the world to pay that premium for this war? As long as it takes. So Russia cannot, in fact, defeat Ukraine and move beyond Ukraine. Well, that's fascinating. Let me see if I understood that last part correct. We'll be paying 5 and $6 a gallon for gas, if not more, as long as it takes for Ukraine to beat Russia. Well, Ukraine's never going to beat Russia unless we join the Ukraine forces. So Biden is telling you, we're forcing you out of your gas-powered cars, and we're going to use Russia as the excuse. He sounds like an idiot, doesn't he? Well, that's because he is an idiot. You don't even have to use that term loosely. He's an imbecile. Think about throughout your lifetime, imbeciles you've known, and you've known some. Do any of them rank with this clown? He is a clown. And Monica Crowley, who was a former assistant to the Treasury, understands he's a clown and that the solution to gas prices isn't something in the future It's sitting right in front of him. When it comes to energy policy, they know how to fix this. They just don't care to. They don't want to. Because they know that the energy sector is the biggest of them all in terms of what they can use to re-engineer the U.S. economy into a more collectivist, neo-communist kind of model. So they want you out of your gas-guzzling combustion engine vehicle and into an electric vehicle if they want you driving at all. So they're going to continue to press this, and it does look like five six dollar gas for this foreseeable future when the solution is right in front of them about unleashing american energy but they will not do it boy those are sobering words aren't they they will not do it they will not we know that she knows that she's right and the solution is right there 
And that's why I've said all along, Kevin McCarthy in saying yesterday how here's what we're going to do. We're going to become energy independent again and all this other stuff. People want to know how. They're tired of hearing empty promises. They want to know how you're going to get us back to where we were when Trump was in there. And all McCarthy has to say is, we're going to return to the policies of Donald Trump. That's how we're going to do it. And people would understand that because it wasn't that long ago, just 2020, where we were sailing along feeling pretty good about ourselves. We kind of want that warm, fuzzy feeling again, don't we, economically? Rather than transgender activism becoming the number one thing on their platform, maybe these morons could lower gas prices. Well, they won't. They can, but they won't. And I think that's important. I think people need to remember that the power to do this was right there in their hands. They refused to do it. So when Biden says we're doing everything we can to lower gas prices, that is the greatest lie that he's told among the millions of lies that he has told. Remember when they used to say Trump has told 10,000 lies. I'm here to tell you Biden's told millions. Now, we've identified them along the way. When you ask a liberal what lie has Trump told, they stutter and they stammer and they can't come up with one. I always say, name one, name five. Well, we can name 50 off the top of our head with Biden. How many lies did he tell in just discussing the Supreme Court and the economy? Well, he blamed Russia. That's a lie. He said the Supreme Court had behaved outrageously. That's a lie. I don't care if you agree with the decision or not. I don't agree with the Remain in Mexico decision, but that's not outrageous behavior. Outrageous behavior is a president going into foreign soil and criticizing an institution here. That's outrageous behavior. He lied when he said our inflation isn't bad. What do you mean it isn't bad? I mean, the lies go on and on and on. And Monica Crowley's correct. He will not fix it. He has no intention to fix it. And despite all of his idiocy, there he was once again embarrassing the country by stumbling his way through Europe. And I mean stumbling. We got on the telephone. He suggested we call the leader of, of Switzerland. Switzerland, my good, my goodness. I'm, I'm getting really anxious here about expanding NATO. Oh, Sweden, they're having trouble because of my imposition of, of uh, 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 make sure that they are not defeated by uh, by Ukraine, I mean, excuse me, in Ukraine by, uh, by by Russia. Good grief. You always say to yourself, can it get more embarrassing? And you really shouldn't ask yourself that because, yes, it can. Every time he speaks, yes, it can. And it does. That's the incredible thing about this guy. It does get more embarrassing every time he speaks. But stumbling your way through speeches in Europe is about as bad and as low as it gets. What must they think? What must the world think watching this clown? Now then he says, and this is all in Europe again, embarrassing us, that he wants to codify Roe versus Wade 
through Congress. Well, he knows he can't, so there's another lie. Acting as though you can when you know you can't is a lie. You have to uh, not have the filibuster in place if a majority is to rule. The way the Senate is written up, you need 60 votes to codify something. They don't have 60. They know that. And they don't have 51 to break the filibuster. They know that. But it doesn't stop Biden from talking about it as if to not codify it means there's something wrong with Republicans when it's two Democrats that stand in the way. I believe we have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law, and the way to do that is to make sure the Congress votes to do that. And if the filibuster gets in the way, it's like voting rights, it should be we provide an exception for this, for the, except, the require an exception to the filibuster for this action to deal with the Supreme Court decision. So anytime there's a policy or a decision that he doesn't like or that liberals don't like, we should codify it and eliminate the filibuster in order to do that. We'll make an exception for cases that I don't like. Any results that take place that I don't like, we'll make an exception to the filibuster for. Now, only in an insane world would that even be suggested. Who in their right mind doesn't see right through that? Oh, it's okay if you don't like it to overturn it, but if someone else doesn't like it, do we make an exception to the filibuster there? Of course not. Not in the eyes of the guy who spoke out vehemently against ending the filibuster not too long ago. He and Chucky Schumer both, and others, passionately pounding desks, screaming, that it's nothing more than a power grab to try to end the filibuster. You don't believe me? Again, we use their words. This is Biden and Schumer and friends really talking about themselves. Ending the filibuster is a very dangerous thing to do. This nuclear option is ultimately an example of the arrogance of power. It is a fundamental power grab by... The majority party. They want to make this country into a banana republic, where if you don't get your way, you change the rules. Will not stand by when a party drunk with power tries to overturn 200 years of precedent. A party drunk with power. Does that sound familiar today? Again, they're talking about themselves. That was clear. That was Menendez, that last one, the senator from New Jersey, who was in, had criminal charges brought up against him, so... These are the kind of people that populate the Democratic Party. But once again, as I promised at the top of the show, we're using their words to unveil the lies that they have told you for years. And interestingly enough, these established Democrats, Biden, Schumer, Menendez, have all changed every view they had about everything once they've been held hostage by the radicals in their bizarre group of people. Which tells you a couple of things about Biden and Schumer, and that is that they're stupid. They're really gullible if they think that Sandy Cortez and her gang of nitwits 
can sway the country into anything. So what Biden and Schumer should be telling them is stand down, shut up. We don't want to hear from you. You can't make a change in anything. You have the tiniest percentage of people behind you. None of you have authored so much as one bill to be passed. Stand down, shut up. But the fact that Schumer and Biden et al. don't do that, and that this idiot keeps talking about ending the filibuster in light of what he and Schumer were screaming about just a few years ago, knowing that the filibuster will not be changed, Kirsten Sinema just said the other day again, she will not change her mind. So I guess they're trying to pressure Manchin some more, but Manchin knows that if he changes his mind, he'll be out in West Virginia, a state that voted heavily for Trump, that has a Republican governor. So if Manchin were somehow removed from office in West Virginia, the Republican governor would appoint a Republican to fill his Senate seat. And if it goes to an election, a state that was heavily in favor of Trump will oust Joe Manchin as well, should he decide to try that. He won't. And as I said, even if he did, Kirsten Cinema has said no dice. You only need one of them to stop these criminals. Only need one. So that's the good news. They have not wavered. It's amazing, but they have not. Thank God. We can only hope it continues, and I think it will. Now, there was also a day when Biden, who is absurdly soft on crime these days, now that he's being held hostage by people like Sandy Cortez, but he wasn't soft on crime always. In fact, let's go back just a few years. Fifteen years ago, Biden speaking on the Senate floor about how tough he is on crime. If you have a piece of crack cocaine no bigger than this quarter that I'm holding in my hand, one quarter of one dollar, we passed a law through the leadership of Senator Thurman and myself and others, a law that says if you're caught with that, you go to jail for five years. You get no probation. You get nothing other than five years in jail. Judge doesn't have a choice. Five years in jail. The judge doesn't have a choice. That sounds like a guy that's pretty tough on crime. And now the streets of America are populated by third world criminals who walk up to people and shoot them in the head like they did in New York yesterday or two days ago. Just because. And there's video of this happening every day in cities across America. Urban cities. Cities controlled by liberal politicians. It's gotten so bad for Biden within his own party that even Hildy, when pressed, won't really endorse him. Now, you can tell when a politician gets rattled by a simple question. It's very simple. 
But these liberal politicians never expect to have a question to them that doesn't say you're wonderful in it. So when Hildy was asked a simple question about endorsing Biden, she became completely flustered and then criticized the reporter. You'll love it. And if he decides to run, he's a sitting president. And, you know. Would you endorse him? Look, I, I would endorse our sitting president. Yes, of course. I mean, you know, this is a silly question. So let's go with the person most likely to win. Joe Biden beat in a huge landslide victory in the popular vote, uh, Donald Trump. I think that says a lot. Well, I think it says a lot, too, if only it were true. Because if it were true, then my question to you, Hildy, is, why do you people obsess over Donald Trump never running again? You just said he lost in a, she said, a huge landslide, not just a landslide, but a huge landslide. I always thought a landslide by its very definition was huge, but she said it was a huge, huge. Then why are you so afraid of him? I always use the football analogy. If my team beat your team 38 to nothing last Saturday and threw a quirk in the schedule, we got to play you again this Saturday. Would we try to stop that game from happening? Of course not. We would welcome it. But they don't. They don't welcome the opponent that they won against in a huge landslide. They want to eliminate him. That's the most revealing thing about these lying liberals. They pretend that they beat Trump and that he's an easy mark, and then they will do everything legally or illegally to stop him from running again. (laughs) They're not just insecure. They're asshats. Even David Axelrod, who orchestrated Obama's campaigns, understands that Biden is at the end of the line and he really needs to go. When the president got into those questions, gas prices and inflation and abortion rights, there was... A lot less of that certainty, a lot less of that emphatic nature uh, of his initial presentation on NATO because he doesn't have great answers. He doesn't have great answers. Now, why doesn't he have great answers? Because he has horrible policies. Why does he have horrible policies? Because A, he's an idiot, B, he's evil, and C, he's held hostage by the radicals. Now, you have to ask yourself continuously, why would he allow himself to be held hostage by these radicals? Because they came to him and said, if you govern from the middle, we won't support you and we won't get the vote out for you to get your ego floated as a president. We won't steal this election for you. But if you govern as a radical, after you tell the people that you'll govern as a middleman, a guy in the middle, a moderate, and then turn and Govern as a radical, we'll vote for you. We'll campaign for you. We'll steal for you. It's incredible, but it's true. Now, who's going to replace him on the ballot? Not David Axelrod. How about Eric Adams? That's the mayor of New York, the black mayor of New York, who still can't figure out that all of the thugs on the streets are there because he and his predecessor, de Blasio, believe in defunding police, even though this guy was actually a policeman at one time in his life. But instead, every time some someone gets murdered by a thug in New York, Eric Adams holds a news conference to say, this is horrible. We know that there are too many guns on our streets. We're seeing the sickening reality 
of the overproliferation of guns and the obsession of using guns in our country. And as mayor and as a former police officer, I am dedicated uh, to stopping this madness. Greg, this is- well, he's dedicated to stopping the madness, but he didn't say how he was going to stop it, did he? What he should have said was, as a former police officer dedicated to stopping this madness, I am going to sign today, going through our legislature if that's how I have to do it, but I'm going to earmark more funding for police, not less. I'm going to create more openings for police, not less. I'm going to give police more freedom to do their job, not less. I'm going to make police officers comfortable in making legal arrests, not less comfortable. And then I'm going to go to the court system, and I'm going to plead with the courts to exercise brains in sentencing. And so when someone shoots someone in the head for no reason, they never get out of jail again. Or when someone is arrested, like in California with enough fentanyl to kill millions of people in America, they're not immediately let out on their own recognizance, which is what happened. Those two are back out on the street. But they're imprisoned until their trial with no bond available. And all of the resources of the state are brought to bear to convict them. Once they're convicted, never out again. You see... It's pretty simple. Once you have those tough-on-crime policies in place, you reduce crime. It's never failed. It's never failed. If you don't punish little Johnny for disobeying his parents' rules, little Johnny will never adhere to the rules. But if you punish little Johnny, take away the things he likes, no TV, No playing games, no going outside and playing after school. In this world, no video games, no phone. Then little Johnny will buck up, and he'll get smart. And all of a sudden realize, hey, if I want these things, I've got to stop my behavior. If criminals want freedom, they've got to stop their behavior. Right now, they don't have to. So no, it's not going to be him. Is it going to be Kathy Hockle? the interim governor of New York who's running again, she wants to come after your guns even though there isn't an ounce of data that supports it. And you know what she says to that? She loves dictators. Do you have the numbers to show that it's the concealed carry permit holders that are committing crimes? I don't need to have numbers. I don't need, I don't have to have a data point to point to to say that this is going to matter. All I know is I have a responsibility to the people of this state to have sensible gun safety laws. She doesn't need numbers. No need for her because she wants to be a dictator. She knows better. Hey, Governor, all of the data and all of the numbers say X. Well, I don't care. I'm going with Y because I know better. Don't you know who I am? I'm Kathy Hockle. Now, I don't understand no one knew who I was until Cuomo started uh, whatever it was he did with the help. That's the only reason I'm in. No one knows who I am. But while I'm in, I'm going to be a dictator, 
And if you reelect me, I'm going to be a dictator. And I'm telling you in advance I'm going to be a dictator. Now we'll see how smart the people of New York are. My guess, not real smart. Not real smart. Just a guess. But I think a pretty good guess. But we'll see. Now, Josh Hawley can't believe what he's seeing in this country, and I don't blame him. And he believes also, as I do, that these liberals want nothing more than power and to actually be dictators on every issue. These people are such extremists. I mean, think about what it is they want to do here. They want to make this country like North Korea in terms of our abortion policy. That's what they want. They want to impose a one-size-fits-all policy that they dictate, the D.C. Democrats dictate, that makes us like China and North Korea. That would be our peer countries in terms of protections for life if the Democrats got their way. I mean, you talk about uh, it moral, morally bankrupt. I mean, this is unbelievable. And it also goes to show they don't believe in democracy anymore. What are the Democrats scared of? They're scared that the American people will actually get to have a say in laws about life. And that's what they don't want. That's why uh, AOC and all the others are, are having a meltdown. That's why Joe Biden is up there, uh, you know, uh, saying we've got to get rid of the filibuster and throwing little temper tantrums. It's because the American people now are going to get to decide their own laws on life and the Democrats won't have it. And that's very true. You know, I keep saying, why are they scared of Trump? They handily beat him, they say. A huge landslide. But they're scared of him. Why are they scared of the American people? Because they know that the American people know more than they do. They know that their views are out of touch with the American people. And then they sit there and whine, well, I thought majority rules. If majority rules, you're out of a job. 85% of American people believe the country's headed in the wrong direction. Now, who do you think they they believe is taking us there? Me? Of course not. You? No. These bastards. That's who. So they don't want the American people to be able to have a say in anything. In fact, I'm certain that these liberals would prefer some sort of executive order that would keep them in power forever. I'm surprised they haven't tried it. The same group of people that made up lies about Donald Trump, he'll never leave the White House, that's what Hillary Clinton said, left very peacefully. In fact, if you listen to the people who were involved, Cash Patel, for instance, was involved in the transition team, and he was instructed by President Trump to advise all of Biden's incoming people on everything they wanted to know. You don't take my word for it. Listen to Cash Patel tell it. But the truth is, the group that will go kicking and screaming is them. And they're going to go. There's not enough illegal fixing in the world for them to fix these midterms. It's so overwhelmingly one way. You can't fix 85%. It's impossible. Can't do it. So Lindsey Graham, a guy who blows hot and cold with me, mostly cold, can be a rhino a lot of times, 
then talks a good game a lot of times. But then when I look for the action, I don't see it that supports the talk. But he does hit it right on the head when he talks about the radical that Biden has become and also has a stunning piece of information that we all might want to hear regarding our favorite president. This is the most radical effort to change America in my lifetime. Joe Biden's not a centrist. He's part of this radical agenda. And I talked to President Trump today, and he's very worried about his country. And stay tuned. I think he is uh, on the verge of making a decision here. I'll leave it up to him. But when he was president, we had a secure border. When he was president, ISIS was uh, destroyed. The caliphate was. Iran was in a box. Uh, we had... You know, we were energy independent. If I were President Trump, I would talk about the idea it doesn't have to be this way. There's a better way. And I'd go to the border if I were President Trump. I agree with him. And what he's really saying there, he's encouraging President Trump to start campaigning. So that tells me that during their golf outing, the president indicated, if not came right out and told him, that he's running. I don't know why Lindsey Graham would drop that teaser if he wasn't running. And he dropped it because Trump told him. There's no question about that. And so his advice to Trump, I believe, is good advice. Talk about the different way that we can go. 85% of Americans think we're going the wrong way. Take them by the hand and show them the right way. And in order to do that, all you have to say is, my way for four years was the right way. We're going to pick up with those policies again, and we're going to start right here on the border. And you can be saying that from the border. So I agree with Graham. And rather than give all of these answers like, we're going to change this, we're going to change that, like McCarthy does, actually tell them how you're going to do it. And it's very simple. We're going to reinvoke my policies that worked so well when I was president. And it gets back to the Ronald Reagan question when he was running against Jimmy Carter. Just ask yourself, am I better off than I was four years ago? In our case right now, are you better off than you were two years ago, one year ago? It's been a systematic dismantling, an absolute systematic dismantling of our American, not only institutions, but our ideals, our character, our integrity, it's all gone. And these people don't care. And you know why it's all gone? Because they don't have any of those qualities. As a friend of mine suggested, Trump's campaign slogan, rather than make America great again this time around, should be, been there, done that. So if your question is, how do we turn this around? Our answer is, been there, done that, we'll do it again. The same thing. And I would make a point of it, as Biden used to do. Day one, the pipeline is closed. If I were Trump, I'd say, day one, the pipeline is open. Open for business. We're fracking, we're drilling. All of the oil companies, the war that's been declared on you and fossil fuels in general is over. I'm Donald Trump. I governed for four years, and it was nothing but peace. There are no wars when I'm in charge, and there won't be a war on fossil fuels either. That's how you do it. Maybe I should run. Should I run? 
It's unbelievable. Graham wasn't finished, though. He talked about the insanity that are today's liberals, and he gave us a good feeling regarding the filibuster. It took us 50 years to overturn Roe v. Wade by working hard, winning elections, putting conservatives on the court. Five days after overturning the decision, they want to blow up the the Senate. These people are crazy. They want to pack the court. They want to abolish the Electoral College so New York and California can pick the president. Uh, You know, they want to federalize all elections so they can ballot harvest and do away with voter ID. I'm hoping people in America are watching what they're planning to do if we don't take back the Senate. But let me say this. You can rest well tonight. Uh, Cinema and Manchin are not going to be part of this. Carpe Double Diem, Kirsten Cinema, and Joe Manchin. Now, Graham wouldn't say that if he didn't have their assurance, I guarantee you. Politicians never say stuff unless they already know the answer. So that is welcome news that they're not going to budge. As I told you at the top of the show, Kirsten Cinema emphatically said already this week she will not change her mind. Manchin hasn't said anything, but he has not wavered. He's mad at Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh because he thinks they lied to him even though they didn't. But I don't care if you're mad at them. Let's say they did lie to you. That has nothing to do with a vote on the filibuster. But they didn't lie to you. You just had to say something to satisfy some of your nutty, quack Democrat supporters. So since Lindsey Graham drop this sort of bombshell without it being an exploding bombshell regarding President Trump and an announcement to come. What about it, Lindsay? When will he announce it? I don't know, but I've never seen him so focused. I mean, we just the two of us sitting over in the corner and said, Lindsay, what the hell's going on? I said, Mr. President, I can't give you a good answer. I know why Biden's not going to the border. What would he say when he got there? He's incapable of changing the policies that led to this invasion. If I were President Trump, I'd go to the border and say, in five minutes, I could fix this. If I were President Trump, I'd go to energy-producing states and say, it's not the invasion in Ukraine that's got $5 a gallon gas. It's the declaration of war by buying on America fossil fuels. Boom, boom, and boom. Go to the border and say, I could fix this in five minutes. And if you don't believe me, here's what I do, exactly what I did. These aren't campaign slogans or promises. I backed it all up with action. I'm encouraged that Trump is going to run now. You know, that's coffee table conversation between people everywhere. I've had friends ask me, what do you think? I've asked friends, what do they think? And uh, there's a consensus that it seems among people that I know that Trump is the guy. Don't know if he'll run, but should he run because they're going to try to attack him and will it hurt the, the ticket overall? The answer to that is no. And here's why. This is how the liberals want you to believe that a damaged Donald Trump will not get elected. I know one thing after living for a while, and that's this when it comes to elections. People vote their pocketbook. They did that in the 2020 election. They voted to reelect Donald Trump. The election was taken. They're not going to vote against Donald Trump again. They're not going to let it be stolen again. 
even the diehard dumbest liberal has to look at his bank account, unless he's independently wealthy, and say, look what this guy has done to me. I can't retire. My 401k is shot. My tax cuts are gone. Inflation is sky high. The stock market is dropping through the floor. Nobody's given me a raise at work because the economy is sputtering. You'd have to be insane to not vote for Donald Trump. I know we have insane people in this world and in this country especially, but not enough of them. Something that really bothers me is the way these liberals are pushing their anti-Americanism on this country at a time when we're celebrating our independence, the 4th of July, one of the greatest holidays in the history of mankind, when we declared our independence from England. Now, you would think that fireworks and red, white, and blue and flag-waving is the topic for the day, right? That's what everybody should feel right now. I'll be wearing my American flag golf shirt when I play golf this weekend. I'll be proud of the fact that we fought for what we believe to be our freedoms. When I say we, I don't mean me. I mean our forefathers in 1776. And I ask our country today, are we willing to fight in whatever way it takes to regain our freedoms? So far, the answer is a resounding no. We're not, we're not willing to do it. We'll see what happens in November. That election will tell us, are we willing to fight? Because right now, when you look at the New York Stock Exchange and the numbers in the Dow, they are the worst six-month period since 1962. Do you know who was president in 1962? John Kennedy. Another Democrat, by the way. But he'd be a Republican today. So there is no reason to vote for these people. There's none. Your hatred of Donald Trump is so misplaced and misguided, you belong in a nuthouse. I don't hate anybody so much that I wouldn't vote for them if they were going to benefit me. (laughs) If Obama's policies would benefit me, I'd vote for him, even though I can't stand him. But they don't benefit me. You know why they don't benefit me? Because he is a despicable person. And as a result, he has those kinds of policies. He doesn't care about the country. He hates this country. His wife hates it and has admitted it. The only good thing we've ever done in our 200-plus years of existence is elect her hubby, according to her. Those were her words. The first time she's ever been proud of America was the day he was elected. That's how nuts they are. That's how much they hate America. Well, I mentioned Bob Woodson of the Woodson Institute. He's, he's a black man. He is particularly incensed that this anti-Americanism by these radical left-wing loons comes into the black community where he knows that black families are proud of the contributions they've made to getting us the freedoms that we enjoy today. Um, Progressives are pushing this anti-American agenda and using America's uh, birth defect of slavery as a bludgeon against the country. One person even saying that she's, she's trying to celebrate Juneteenth, but not 1776. Well, she doesn't understand that if it was not for 1776, there would be no Juneteenth. 
that uh, uh, black Americans have sacrificed, have demonstrated their commitment to these uh, values and ideals of ours by the shedding of their blood. Blacks fought in every war that this country has ever had. Uh, every war we fought, and not a single black was ever convicted of treason. Think about that for a minute. Plenty of white guys were convicted of treason, Benedict Arnold. Not one black soldier or citizen was ever convicted of treason in this country. Now, if the liberals have their way, I'm sure there's some black people incarcerated in their political prison camps in Washington today, and they'll probably try to convict one of treason or some such charge in order to make an example of them, because that's how little they think of the black community. Never mind guilt or innocence. We got to get a black guy. Because we've got to keep those black people in line. They've got to remember they're under our thumb. Clarence Thomas, you Uncle Tom. And a, a guy who leads that charge is Eddie Gaudy Jr. He is a professor at Princeton, black man, who disagrees with Bob Woodson because, after all, if you agree with Bob Woodson, you have to believe that America is actually a good place. You know, Fourth of July has always been an incredibly vexed um, holiday for me, given the tradition out of which I come. It's framed by Juneteenth, the way in which we struggle with the legacies of slavery. Exactly what Bob Woodson said. He's tired of people like this, framing everything through slavery. Bob Woodson went so far as to say, as he responded to Gowdy Jr.'s claims, that blacks were better off under segregation policies in this country than they are these liberal radicals. I just think they make this this false claim that some of the challenges of of, of disadvantage in these cities around the country, uh, these disparities are the cause by uh, racism and a history of slavery and discrimination. Uh, The first 50 years after slavery, blacks actually in these cities fared much better under segregation than they have over the past 50 years of, of progressive policies. Now that is a strong statement. Made by a black person who's intelligent, who's well thought out, an articulate purveyor of his words, blacks have done better in the first 50 years after slavery under segregation than they have in the last 50 years of these crazy progressive policies. That's the message we've been trying to get across to the black community on our show for years now. Take a look at it. Don't listen to their propaganda. Think for yourself. The Hispanics are waking up. They're thinking for themselves. White people need to think for themselves rather than be hoodwinked by all this BS. Mean orange man. White people go, ooh, yeah, he is mean. I don't like him. I don't like his mean tweets. By the way, Donald Trump never made a mean tweet. I want someone to identify that mean tweet that he made. That's another form of media propaganda that has brainwashed people. Most of the people in this country, the overwhelming majority of people in this country, aren't on Twitter. 
So how would they know what a mean tweet was? Unless it was force-fed to them by a media that claims it was mean. Why was it mean? Because Donald Trump told the truth about how the media portrays his presidency and how the liberals want to screw up this country. To the media, that was mean. To the liberals, that was mean. There were even people I know with a brain that said to me, he needs to stay off Twitter. And I said, why? Why would he, why would he stay off Twitter? It's the only place he can get his message across to some people. He's not going to get it across through the media. So he had no choice, actually. Carpe quadruple diem Bob Woodson. That's something to think about the rest of the weekend. According to a very intelligent researcher, historian, black man, blacks fared better the first 50 years after slavery and segregationist policies than they do now with progressive leaders. And I use leaders loosely. That's strong. You don't hear that kind of strong language very often. Now, I tell you all the time, these people hate us. And they do. They hate America. They hate us. And as we approach July 4th this weekend, the great celebration of our independence, leave it to Harris, heels up Harris, and her other liberal lunatics to let you know what they really think of America. Racism is real in America, and it has always been. Xenophobia is real in America, and always has been. Sexism, too. You should not be relying on a history filled with racism and sexism and homophobia to determine our fundamental rights today. Original sin of slavery weaved white supremacy into our founding documents and principles. (laughs) Thank you for people like Bob Woodson. Thank God for Bob Woodson. These evil, despicable tyrants, wannabe dictators... Race-baiting losers. America-hating politicians. Always remember this. When they claim that Heels Up Horace is the first black woman elected vice president, that's not true. She wasn't elected anything. It's the guy or the gal who's running for the top office on the ticket that got elected. Mike Pence didn't get elected. Donald Trump did. But I love how they everything's a first, right? Katanji Brown, Jackson, Jackson Brown, whatever her name is, Jackson, whoever. First black woman never sworn into the Supreme Court. So what? Aren't we well beyond that? Good grief. I thought we'd stop counting that kind of crap. Unbelievable, isn't it? The attacks on us are just as bad as the attacks on America. And it's by the liberals, and they don't think much of you and me either. The top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists. I want to understand white rage, and I'm white. White supremacy is a poison 
It's a poison running through our, it really is. Running through our body politic. And it's been allowed to fester and grow right in front of our eyes. From the from the mouth of the guy who eulogized Robert Byrd, the grand cyclops of the Ku Klux Klan. A guy who heads up the political party today that created the Ku Klux Klan. The guy whose party voted overwhelmingly against giving blacks the right to vote. By the way, women, they over or they, they voted overwhelmingly against giving you the right to vote as well. Now those are facts. Simple facts that you can't dispute. Now you can try to dispute them. You can lie like liberals do in trying to dispute them, but it doesn't work because they're indisputable. Now, and I'll give them to you by the numbers. The 15th Amendment gave the blacks voting rights in this country. How was that passed? Because Lawrence O'Donnell of MSNBC is running around telling you, liberals passed it, so I'm proud to be a liberal. Well, the truth is, that's a lie. The 15th Amendment gave voting rights to the blacks and was passed in the Senate 39 to 13. Now, who had the 39? The Republicans did. 14 abstentions. The House passed it with 144 Republican votes. You know how many Democrats voted for the blacks' right to vote? Zero. Zero. All right, women, now it's your time to pay attention. The 19th Amendment gave you the right to vote. It passed in the House with 200 Republican votes to 102 Democrats. Double. 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 The Senate, very similar. In the Senate, the 19th Amendment giving the women the right to vote passed 56 to 25, 56 Republicans, 25 Democrats. So quit trying to revise history, you lying effing liberals. Steve is up first. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Kevin, good morning, brother. How are you today? I'm doing great. Happy 4th of July coming up here, bud. Happy 4th of July to you too, sir. Uh, Kevin, I got uh, something I want to run across you. Uh, you talked about you running, and and I'm I'm in support of that, Kevin. And I got a new platform for you that's never been tried or never been used, and I believe it is in the Constitution. It's called political abortion. That's what we need to have in this country: is a political a right to a political abortion. Now, I believe that's in the Constitution under the word treason. Am I wrong or am I right? I like that. I like that. Yes, tre- these are treasonous <laughs> people. You're completely there, correct. There's no doubt about it. And the Supreme Court can actually, if it's if it's argued properly, can actually uh, agree that it is constitutional. So you know, that's exactly I, what these people are. I think what we need is someone to bring a case like that in front of the Supreme Court with the proper attorneys to argue it. Uh, in terms of not only Biden's treason, but Harris and Pelosi. So that way you wipe out the three-headed monster with one court case. There you go. And probably a lot more to go with it. Yeah, I don't, you know, I've never been able to discover who's fourth in line. I'm going to have to do that one of these days and dig deep. But I know those three are, and those three are all treasonous, all three of them. 
Yeah, and you know, they like abortion so much, I just think we need to coin a new phrase and a new movement to have political abortion. That's yeah. what we really need in this country. And, and they couldn't get upset with you because they like the word abortion and they like what they it means it. and what it does. So since they're they, in love with they it, love it, yeah, let's just yeah. give them what they want. Yeah, exactly politically right. abort you. And, and, of course, the Supreme Court will agree with them because it is constitutional if you call it treason. So there you go. I love it. Anyway, Kevin, have a great weekend and a great 4th of July, buddy. Carpe diem. Carpe diem to you, Steve. You have the same. Great stuff. I, I agree with that, by the way. Treason. We can call it political abortion. Here's Schumer, by the way. You remember the guy who, who threatened Gorsuch and Kavanaugh on the Supreme Courthouse steps? Here's this this clown now. First words we've heard from him since Roe versus Wade. He, he tweets out first on gun safety, then on abortion, now on the environment. This MAGA regressive extremist Supreme Court is intent on setting America back decades, if not centuries. You know, there was a guy who tweeted the other day, and I thought it was not only funny, but apropos. So far, Trump's second term has been a huge success. He has several major Supreme Court victories, looks better than ever compared to Biden, and the January 6th theater just went full Jussie Smollett. You can't win harder than that. (laughs) That's so true. So true. Well, they want Clarence Thomas's scalp. They love they love to hate on him now. He's a black man. He did nothing except succeed in life. And so you've got Hillary Clinton saying that she went to high school with him, or excuse me, she went to law school with him so she knows him. He's a man of grievance, says the queen of grievances. How many reasons has she given for losing to Donald Trump? Well over a 1,000. So the queen of grievances, I guess operating under the theory I should know one when I see one, claims Clarence Thomas is just that. Samuel L. Jackson called him an Uncle Clarence. Whoopi Goldberg told him, watch out, they're coming for you and your white wife. Oddly enough, someone who actually does know Clarence Thomas, who works with him daily on the Supreme Court, liberal justice, Sonia Sotomayor, was talking to a a class and had these words regarding Clarence Thomas. But I suspect I have probably disagreed with him more than with any other justice. That we have not joined each other's opinions more than anybody else. And yet, Justice Thomas is the one justice in the building that literally knows every employee's name, every one of them. And not only does he know their names, he remembers their families' names and histories. He's the first one who will go up to someone when you're walking with him and say, is your son okay? How's your daughter doing in college? He's the first one that when my stepfather died, sent me flowers in Florida. He is a man who keeps, cares deeply about the court as an institution, about the people who work there, but about people. He has a different vision than I do about how to help people. 
and about their responsibilities to help themselves, I've often said to people, Justice Thomas believes that every person can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I believe that some people can't get to their bootstraps without help. They need someone to help them lift their foot up so they can reach those bootstraps. That's a very different philosophy of life. But I think we share a common understanding about people and kindness towards them. That's why I can be friends with him and still continue our daily battle <laughs> over our difference of opinions in cases. Carpe diem, Sonia Sotomayor. Now there's a mature view, but she knows Clarence Thomas. She works for them. And I thought it very telling when she said that Justice Thomas believes anyone can pull themselves up from their bootstraps. And he, he feels that way because he did it. He didn't grow up wealthy. Her feeling is everyone can pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but some people need to be helped to get to their bootstraps. I get what she's saying. I don't necessarily agree with it. I didn't grow up poor, but I grew up middle class. We certainly weren't wealthy, not even close. We had five kids and a father who worked and probably made at the top of the game, 20 grand. But for most of his life, he didn't. But he was a shrewd saver of his money. So I know that without help, you can pull yourself up. I didn't grow up in a ghetto. I didn't grow up hopelessly poor. But I know people who have. And I know how successful they are now. I look at Dr. Carol Swain, pregnant at age 16. I believe three children by the time she was 19. Found ways to get through school. Certainly had help, but the help that came to her was because she pulled up her own bootstraps and said, I'm not going to give in to this. And she's one of the most successful educators and historians in this country, in our history. But because she didn't let any of that stop her. She wasn't wealthy. So I would tend to agree with Clarence Thomas's view. Others agree with Sotomayor's view, and I get it. But I disagree with Sotomayor when she decides that her view of the world should come before the Constitution. Because so-and-so has it rough and needs some help, that doesn't mean the government gets in there and helps when the Constitution says no or is silent on it. Her job is not to vote on giving money to poor people. Her job is to vote on cases before her regarding the Constitution. If she wants to be a person that can vote on where the money goes in this country, then run for Congress. That's the name of that game. 
Good morning. You're in the Window World Kings Court. How are you? Good morning, Kevin. This is uh, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. Am I on the air now? Or are you yes, sir. Talking? You are on right now. Oh, fantastic. Happy pre-4th uh, uh, of July. Things of that nature for you and your family and, and everyone same to who's you. listening. The same to you. This is a great holiday to celebrate. And as we listen to the words of Bob Woodson there, pointing out to us how there wouldn't have been a Juneteenth without a 1776, and that something that I thought was awfully chilling to me, and by chilling it means it gave me chills, when he said that not one black person in our history has ever been convicted of treason, that they've all fought for these freedoms that we enjoy today, and we have a group now trying to give our freedoms away. And I have, I have continuously for about the last 30 years talk, tried to talk to people about that particular fact and the allegiance that black people have shown for this country and i've always submitted to people constantly is that if the black people who were my predecessors my forefathers uh relatives things of that nature who worked hard to become citizens in this country want to be a prime example for anyone to look to to say that hey this is the way you go about uh uh um um consuming yourself in the system to such a degree that the world over at one particular point in time felt sorry for African-Americans, had sympathy for African-Americans, uh, championed African-Americans. But now when you look at them, they laugh, they, they recoil when they see groups of African-Americans. There's been a total turnaround in that perception, and most of it's due internally. And uh, we have to start talking about things to get people back in the position that they're that we were previously moving towards because most of the African-Americans who had to suffer under Jim Crow, things of that nature, who couldn't exercise their American rights and privileges, they would be turning over in their grave if they knew what was going on at this particular oh. point in time as hard as they were working. I could not agree with that sentiment more, Andrew, because not only did they fight for those freedoms that they didn't enjoy, but mm-hmm. they still fought for them. Um, it is. They probably smack the crap out of people today. Absolutely. And that's how I look at. I know. It. I I know. I would. I want to, but I yeah, can't I do, do it. too. I do too. <laughs> you, know, I was just, you know what I said just the other day? I said people like Biden and Schumer need a punch right in their effing face. And I said, and in the good old days, we would do it, and that would shut them up and, and stop their whining like this Stephen Colbert, who not, does nothing but whine and and slander people. He'd get a good old royal ass kicking, and then he would stop. But today, mm-hmm. if you even threaten to punch somebody's lights out, oh, my God, you're going to jail. It's incredible. I like to throw this one at you. I, you know, I listen as much as I can. Uh, I've been busy as heck, you know, with this campaign, things that make it. I still want to be able to talk with you about it, particularly after this 4th of July uh, uh, celebration. But I think most people, I shut a lot of people down. I talked to a very brilliant uh, black gentleman, older gentleman in his 80s, and we have some knockdown drag out conversations about various things, but I still respect him to a large degree. He's mostly conservative, but he'll try to always, like most attorneys, try to argue both sides. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so we, we had a long discussion yesterday, and I thought I'd bring this up because of what you're talking about today. And because I mentioned to him, and I know he's well-learned, he talks about, he, we were talking about civil civil rights legislation, and you, you did that wonderfully when you talked about it from the 1960s. But something I had to open his eyes up to yesterday, and he kind of shut up and didn't want to say anything. And most people don't know this, that prior to 1960, if you go back to 1940, 87% of African-Americans' poverty rate, well, they, they lived at an 80% poverty rate. In 1940, that's what African Americans endured and had to live through. But through those type of initiatives that I talked to you about, just uh, opening up, 
where African-Americans said, we're going to work hard despite what those barriers and pitfalls are. We're going to be committed. We're going to have value systems and traditions that work well and it mirrors what goes on in this country. Up to 1960, they have reduced the poverty rate. And it's not African-Americans who did it alone. And I have to emphasize this piece. It is the greater overall system and people. If you want to just say white people in general, that's what I'll do because it's too lengthy to try to talk about all the various groups. But white America opened up their cells to be able to be accepting of African-Americans where we reduced this from, this is a large number, from 1940, 87% poverty rate to 1960, pre-civil rights, it had dropped down to 47%. That's And incredible. then it dropped, incredible. And it was before anything that they were saying that we need all these civil rights programs and things of that nature. No, we worked hard and got the job done. And for, it dropped another 17% in the decade of 1960. So, you know, there was still no particular uh, laws or legislation in place at that particular point in time. It was African-Americans working, the citizens saying, hey, we need to open up our doors, but we want to be able to just change naturally. And these are the natural progressions. And it only from, it only moved in 1970s. This is the key to me. In 1970, that's probably when the legislation starts kicking in a little bit more affirmative action stuff things of that nature, only move 1% after that. Isn't that amazing? So you know what that tells me, Andrew, see if you agree with me on this. That tells me that you can try to legislate anything you want. All the social programs, the failing social programs that they've tried to come through with and claim that it was geared to help the black community when we know it was geared to help them in power. But you can do all that you want if the people aren't willing to be a part of it, whether it's whites, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, if they're not willing to say, okay, I don't care if you're black or if you're blue or if you're red, you're the best person for the job, and I need somebody who's the best person for the job. If people aren't willing to do that, all those programs are failures. Yes. That's that. And that's what that 1% shows in the 1970s. Exactly. Despite all of the things that they thought they were doing to so-called help African Americans, it only moved 1% at that point. But free under Jim Crow, from 1940, 87% poverty rate to 1960, you drop down to 47%. That is absolutely amazing. That's, again, part of the system. It's part of the people in the system and everyone working diligently. And it doesn't have to be specific that you're doing something for African-Americans. You're just opening up the doors, allowing people to get out here and right. compete, fail when they, when they fail, because most people won't take this into consideration either. We want an opportunity to participate and succeed. But you also have an opportunity to fail if you don't get off your butt and do something. Exactly. And we have to be able to accept that as well, that if you don't get out here and do something, you're going to fail. And you do, and I hate to say it this way, people can use it against me and things of that nature. But at some point, you deserve to fail if you're not going to get out here and work. Yeah. You have to get out here and participate. Yeah, and it's not because you're black. And it's not because you're Asian. It's because you're lazy. Or, you're not, or you don't right. want to participate. You don't want to work. You want it handed to you. And there are plenty of white people who are the same way. I know I, I grew up with, a, a, obviously, a mostly white area. Um, but when I got to high school, we had plenty of black kids at CBC. But I'm telling you that there are plenty of lazy white people who don't want to work. You know, they're not, they're not Jim Crow 2.0 people. They're not white supremacists, whatever that is. They're just lazy. And, mm-hmm. and they don't want to work. There's plenty of people in this country like that. Look, the unemployment rate under Trump was 3.5%. That meant anyone who wanted to get a job could get a job. There were job openings that went unfilled. So there are 3.5% of the people in this country who just don't want to work. I, I, that That is how simple it is, Kevin. I tell people all the time on, on this little campaign trail, 
that we're out here working diligently and, and, and hard to get done. Right now, the problem is not unemployment. And people sit back and they look at me. I say the problem is workforce development. We have to get instill back in the people the idea that a strong work ethic works. And if you start working and you don't have to talk about minimum wage, because there are a lot of unfulfilled jobs with jobs paying in excess of minimum wage, you'll be able to take care of your families. And by some miracle, it seems to be that if you're making a decent living wage, and you work hard for your family, you're dedicated for your family, most of your problems disappear. Isn't that the truth? It, it, it really is. As long as you're trying. And, you know, nobody mm-hmm. ever will kick somebody who's trying. If you try and you fail, people can give you another chance. That's right. Always. But if they look at you and they say, well, you failed because you didn't even try at it, why would I give you another chance? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's like anybody in sports. I always learn those lessons through sports, and hopefully uh, those were passed along to my son. That in sports, you know, if you make the effort, you're going to have success. Now, you might not be the greatest athlete in the world, or you might not be the greatest quarterback that ever lived or can't throw the ball 95 miles an hour, but if you make the effort, people will respect you. Absolutely. And, and, and generally, I think that is the beauty of our system, that if you get out there and try to give it the best that you can give, generally people will give you an opportunity. This system grants you an opportunity, but unfortunately right now we have people who have an agenda on the other side of the aisle who wants to take that away from people and they want to control people's lives and they don't care what they have to do to get us to uh, capitulate and give in to That's what right. their desires are capitulate, instead of letting people be productive. Capitulate and let them have power, all the power of the world. They're dictators. They're all little dictators. That's what they want. And so, and like I said, they, they don't care if you're a liberal. If you're a liberal and you stop saying what they say, they'll kill you. They want you finished. They want nothing Mm -hmm. to do with you. They want to ruin your life. They want you fired like the idiot Chris Hayes on MSNBC. That stooge went and said something critical of Biden, and now they all want to fire him. (laughs) It's just, it's amazing how they will react to their own simply because you deviate from the prepared comments that you're supposed to make every day. And And what you you said all. Go ahead, Andrew. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, you've always talked about those type of issues. You haven't deviated one iota. And mo- most people will want to try to have you dismiss things of that nature, but we can't even have simple dialogue to try to get to a point where we have some level of success because that's not what they want to see at all. They're petulant. They're like petulant children and they will not turn. They are immoral, unethical people and they will flat. Li- I'm listening to all these examples you give every day. These people will lie in your face and won't take a blink of, no. of, of any type of embarrassment. They don't, that you can't shame them. You know, when you can't shame somebody, then they're hopeless. Because most of the time when someone does something really bad, you can point it out to them and they feel ashamed. Not these people. They they don't feel ashamed at all. They'd cut your throat if they could. And we need people like you as leaders in this country and leaders in this state and as leaders in our Congress. Well, Kevin, I I appreciate that. What I like to do still, we still owe owe each other getting together for a lunch, but let's try to do something uh, after the 4th of July break here and uh, get together because there's some things I like to just, uh, disclose to you that would just be jaw-dropping for you that I found out while trying to do this political bid even when I ran for mayor. Uh-huh. Uh, some of the things that I get from people, I tell you, Kevin, I don't know how we made it uh, this far <laughs> in this country with the people and their philosophies that exist. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more, Andrew, and I will promise you after the 4th of July is over, I'll touch base with you next week. Yeah, well, let's get together. I'll thank talk you. to you soon, and thank you for having me on. You have a great 4th. You too, you and your family. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it very much. Mm-hmm. That's 
Andrew Jones, he is going to be the guy who replaces Corey Bush. Mark my words. Before we go to a break, I, I told you I'd promise you that we'd have a, an inspirational patriotic message from John Voigt as we hit the 4th of July weekend. And he is a very strong patriot, and he has very strong views. My dear friends, we're all saddened by so much turmoil that has been brought upon this life we live. Can this darkness be lifted? Can we all share joy once again and see eye to eye? We have a troubled nation with much horror from these criminals that are ruining lives. We must stop this now. We must bring back our nation's safety. Our police force must act on righteousness and guard our neighborhoods, our businesses, our children, our elderly, our veterans, and our handicapped. We must protect this nation and bring back safety. We're all feeling very unsafe. We're all angry. And let's remember why. It starts with the seat of the President of the United States. He has wronged this nation's glory. He has taken down our morals, our true gift of the land of the free. He must be impeached. We cannot wait another second having him dictate our path. Let us work together, get him out, and make this country what she stands for, greatness, the land of opportunity, the land of the greatest soil our forefathers fought for. Don't let this President Biden tear down every inch that was sacrificed with blood, sweat, and tears for his dictation of lies. I urge all to see truths. I urge all to make a difference for our children's future, our future, because, my fellow Americans, this land is being broken down. But we, as a nation of God's truths, shall build her up once again and bring her to her feet with glory. God bless America. Carpe diem, John Voigt. Spectacular stuff, wasn't it? By the way, before we take a break, our research assistant pointed out to me as we were talking about uh, Wuhan Willie O'Tala Biden and his tough-on-crime stance 15 years ago when he said, if you're caught with a quarter size of crack then you belong in jail immediately and without hesitation for five years minimum, and no judge has a say in it. That's what he said. And yet his own son, crack addict, evidence on his own laptop, you need no other evidence, isn't serving five years. He's not serving five minutes. Why? Let's stay patriotic, shall we, as we go to the break, and let's remind us all that there once was a country that believed in patriotism, and George M. Cohan led the way. Oh, me. Little Johnny Jones, the jockey from the USA. 
We'll ride the pony, Yankee Doodle, English Derby Day. Josie's broken records every track at every beat. So Yankee Doodle's gonna be the boy they have to beat. Sportsmen of the British house who followed his career have offered Johnny anything to keep him over here. But all the money in the Bank of England couldn't pay enough to keep young Johnny Jones away from old Broadway. If you want to take a trip, the surest of your things. Have your houses mortgaged, hop your watches, pawn your rings. And put it all on Yankee Doodle, Johnny Jones is up. I'm gonna give America the English Derby Cup. He's gonna give America the English Derby Cup. I'm a Yankee Doodle dandy. Yankee Doodle do or die. A real live nephew of my Uncle Sam. Born on the 4th of July. I've got... A Yankee Doodle sweetheart, she's my Yankee Doodle joy. Yankee Doodle came to London just to ride the ponies. I am that Yankee Doodle boy. He's a Yankee Doodle dandy, a Yankee Doodle you are gone. A real life everyone is on from Sam, born on the 4th of July. He's got a Yankee Doodle sweetheart. you're along for the ride on this Friday morning, Friday before the 4th of July. It's July 1st today, our Independence Day in three days. But, of course, everyone will be celebrating with a long weekend, and that includes us. We will not be doing a show live on Monday. So we will enjoy the holiday with everyone and be patriotic as George M. Cohan was in Yankee Doodle Dandy. Now, that movie, by the way, will be on, I promise you, all weekend long. You'll be able to find it anywhere, certainly Turner Classic Movies will have it. All kinds of different places will play it on the 4th of July. What a spectacular American movie. People should watch it if you've never seen it. Watch it with your family. That would be spectacular. I always loved watching Miracle on 34th Street with my family growing up around Christmas time. It's my favorite Christmas movie, and it is today, probably because of that. 
So every Christmas Eve, I watch it, whether I'm by myself or with my family. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm watching it. And it's the same thing on the 4th of July with Yankee Doodle Dandy. If you've never seen it, make the popcorn, get ready, gather the family around. Don't light the fireplace. It's too hot. But enjoy the movie. And the patriotism. You'll love it. 636-538-0746. 636-538-0746. That's our number if you'd like to join in with us and have a little fun. Our good friends at Zycan Exteriors want you to know that if you have any inkling that you might have storm damage with your roof because your roof protects your biggest investment, your home, call them at 636 345 6873. 636-345-6873. If you're calling from the east side, it would be 618-806-6911. 618-806-6911. Now, I did that, and they came out to my house, and lo and behold, I did have a problem. So they had to fix it. They had to give me a complete and full roof replacement. My insurance adjuster was there as well. They all went up on the roof together, and I got a roof with all upgraded Owens Corning shingles because Zycan Exteriors is a preferred contractor of Owens Corning. Now, they've been around since 1949, so they're not going anywhere if you have a problem. The fly-by-nighters are gone. They'll come in, put a new roof. They'll slap it on your house and off to the next town. But check to see if they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau because Zycan Exteriors does. They're the storm damage experts in that Phone call that you make for them to come out and check your roof is free. It's a free damage inspection. You get peace of mind for free. You don't spend a penny. 636-345-6873. From the east side, 618-806-6911. I guess old Sudden Sam Page has little shenanigans going on in his office. His um, chief of staff, Sudden Sam's chief of staff, allegedly made a sex tape in his office with a woman, then sent it to some person who sent it to other people. Oopsie. And one of the recipients was his Republican opponent, Sudden Sam's Republican opponent. (laughs) According to the reports, the woman in the tape had no idea that he had taped their little dalliance. Sudden Sam. Why is it, I'm trying to think of any Republicans who've been caught in these compromising situations. It doesn't seem like any come to my mind. But boy, these these Democrats have been caught all the time. All the time. Now, the chief of staff quickly resigned. Guy was making 150 or so grand a year. What a moron. I mean, nobody could ever accuse Democrats of being smart. Liberals are not smart by their very nature. Their birthright, I think, makes them stupid. The moment they say, I'm liberal, I'm a liberal, they become stupid. Not by association, but by affiliation and assimilation. Some kind of Asian. It is hilarious, though. I get a kick out of it when I see one of these morons. First of all, you pervert, what are you having sex in your office for? Isn't there a hotel, an apartment, a home? Oh, we got a dude in our office. 
it's naughty. And then you taped it like a moron. Who tapes their sexual encounters? Well, maybe you would with your wife. I don't know. But you sure as hell wouldn't with some person that who God only knows how well he knew her. She made the mistake of, of having sex with a guy who's so perverted that he would send it around to friends as if it's some sort of badge of honor. Look at me, I banged a girl in my office. Now, of course, anyone with a two or three IQ understands that if you send a tape of that nature to anyone, it will always end up in the hands of people that you don't want to see it. Never fails, does it? And I mean never. People have a funny way of destroying other people. And somehow or another, the bragging always gets people in trouble. So I guess you're bragging that you're some sort of Romeo Casanova. And it came back to literally bite you. And now he's out of a job. Now, I don't know how sudden Sam is explaining the perversion in his office. Or if he's even trying to. Probably not. He's a bizarre guy to begin with. But I'll never understand how St. Louis County elected this guy. I'll never understand it. He wasn't elected until the last election. And somehow St. Louis County, if it wasn't stolen, decided to elect him. That's very odd, isn't it? Why did you do that? Good grief. You know, I always thought St. Louis County was rather conservative, but it's not. We know that. And because the liberals are in power in Washington, the recession, according to a federal model, is now officially a recession. Unbelievable, isn't it? GDP growth in the second quarter, 1%. Less than 1%, I'm sorry. That's pretty sick, isn't it? Remember Trump saying, if we can't get it to three or four, we're failures. And then he got it there. But that's a businessman running the action, right? When a businessman runs the show, good things happen. And that's what happened in our country. When a businessman was in charge, good things happened. But now we've now we're in a recession. It only took about a year and a half. What what is what is good? I want you to this should be the test, you know. Going home for the fourth of July recess. When you come back to school after the fourth of July, I want you to have a written answer to this simple question. What is there in your life that has improved since Biden became de facto president? What has improved? Did you get more money at work? Are you paying less taxes? Is inflation affecting you? Can you get whatever you want at the stores? Are you being overrun in your neighborhood by illegal aliens? Did you lose your job to an illegal alien who worked for $5 a week? 
Did any of that happen to you? Or are you keeping your fingers crossed that it doesn't? It's pretty pathetic, but it's very simple. You won't be able to answer that question in the affirmative. There's not a chance on earth. There's nothing you can say that's better in your life today than it was then. Now, and I'm not talking about ordinary events in a person's lifetime, having a child, getting married. Those kinds of things are not the result of Biden, so you can't count that as something that made you happy in life in the last year and a half. Things that came as a result of him being president, is there anything that has made your life better? I could wait until the 12th of never, and you'll never be able to give me an answer to that that is positive. Are you paying less at the gas pump? Of course not. Good morning. You're in the window world, King's Court. How are you today? Hi, this is Chuck. I was hoping to speak to Kevin. This is Kevin, Chuck. You're on with me. Go right ahead. Hey, Kevin, I uh, I haven't listened to you in years, and I just looked you up on the Internet and found you. Uh, good, good to talk to you, sir. Well, carpe uh, diem to you, Chuck. Thanks for looking us up. Hey, I moved down to Cape Girardeau, Missouri, about 30 years ago. I grew up in Crestwood in South County, and I can't believe when I go home how non-conservative the values and the average person is since I left 30 years ago. This happened very, very quickly, Kevin, the, the change in attitude of people. And it, it happened right under uh, our noses. I mean, I don't know why I didn't see it when it was going on, but one, t- one day I woke up and I go, oh, oh, holy hell, <laughs> I can't believe, I can't believe how nuts this country's gone. I, you know, I think you're describing this perfectly. It happened much quicker than we could have ever imagined. It's not that I didn't notice it was going on. When I did notice it, I thought, yeah, but it's never going to envelop the whole country. And lo and behold, it's gone bananas. I never thought companies would act like this in a million years. I never thought a company like Disney or any of these other woke companies would take part in any of this nonsense. But they do. And it's you been, know, I, Chuck, I, it's I, been a culture I, change. You know that? It's been a culture change, and they've gotten away with it thanks to their friends in the media. I heard you say that you kind of wish there was a uh, some internal strife, maybe a coup or something of that nature. You may have a little bit, been a little bit more strong in your language, and some people would be appalled that you would say that. But this has got to be turned around, and I think it's going to have to be violent to turn it around. And I hate to say that. I really do. But I've, I just, I just don't see how you can you can turn this around with reasoning because he's and you can't reason with unreasonable. That's right. You know, you hit it right on the nose. And I have said that. And I have said the same thing, Chuck. I said, I hate to say it, but it's going to have to be violent because you can't talk to them. You know, you if if I could talk to the wall and the wall would respond to me, that's one thing. But the wall won't. So when you talk to these blockheads, you're talking to a wall. And it had to be violent in 1776. They tried to to discuss freedoms with the English, but the English didn't want the king didn't want to hear it. So guess what happened? It got violent. We win. We have our independent free country. Now we have these 
cultural uh, warriors who've tried to take it away and are succeeding to some degree, and it's going to take violence to get it back. You know, this election that's going to come up, I think they're going to steal the election again. They're going to try. And, uh, they're, and if, if they are successful, if the average American voter can't be confident in the results that their their vote actually counts and illegal votes don't count, you, you will have lost the country if that happens again, Kevin. And, and I do believe you will see a coup. I hope there's a military coup. I don't know what the hell is the matter with the military these days that they, they kowtow to this so-called leader, Biden, and these, these other people. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. Boy, I tell you what, you're preaching to the choir here, Chuck. Um, well, you're, you know, you're- I, 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 I always love you when you did sports, and I know you get on the, 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 the talk of uh, – politics from time to time most of the people probably didn't want to hear it but i loved hearing your opinion and you're conservative like me and a patriot and god bless you sir and i hope you have a great fourth of july well god bless you chuck and you have a great fourth of july and don't be a stranger call us again i'm going to do that sir i'm going to start listening on a regular basis well thank you and if you don't listen live you can listen on the podcast i'll do that take care thank you chuck bye 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 now no he's 100 percent right you know we're losing this country. It, something has to be done to stop it. These aren't leaders. And he's right about the military. See, that's my fear. My fear has been, and I've articulated this many times, who's on our side? When the, when the revolution starts and the bullets start flying, who's on our side? Is the military with us or against us? If they're against us, we're doomed. Is the police with us or against us? If they're against us, we're in trouble unless we have the military. If we have the military, we don't have to worry about the police. But who is the military siding with? We know who the woke generals side with. But what about the rank and file? And what will it take for them to buck the generals? That's the question. But you can't push civilized free people too far before they say enough. And we're right there. We're on the cusp of enough. In my opinion, we passed it. All right, folks, on that note, we will be back after the holiday. On Tuesday, fighting the good fight for you once again. And we hope you enjoy your holiday weekend, and we hope it's safe. Don't blow a finger off with fireworks. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the extra day off with your family. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody.